Women on the Rise is supported by The Riveter. The Riveter is a modern union for working women offering content, community, and work and gathering spaces, all designed with a focus on women and work. The Riveter has been my work community and home for the last two years. Countless collaborations and friendships have come from my post-event chats and kitchen conversations with my fellow Riveters. Ask anyone at the Riveter Fremont, I like to hang out in the kitchen. There is chocolate there. Equity of opportunity should be a reality, not a promise. Visit theriveter.co to learn more. And by Armoire. Do you love variety but hate the clutter and expense of new clothes? That's totally me. So I use Armoire, a clothing rental service for today's boss lady. Armoire gives me access to designer clothes I can exchange on my schedule for a flat monthly fee. I get access to a guilt-free flow of new clothes without the hassle of shopping or dry cleaning. Best thing ever. Women on the Rise listeners can try Armoire today for $100 off your first month using code WOTR100. That's WOTR100. That's a really good deal, y'all. One you won't find just going to the Armoire website. Visit armoire.style to get started and use that discount code. It helps the show when you do. There's even a link right in your podcast player in the episode notes for easy access. As humans of, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to get married? You know, like these questions that like, oh, there's supposed to be an answer to that. And, you know, the way that events get portrayed in media and then coupled with now, you know, the kind of social media epidemic of showing this kind of shiny picture perfect end result those things can all be really misleading and they all kind of allude to the idea that you're supposed to know where you're going. You're supposed to get there fairly flawlessly. And then when that's not really the case, you start to doubt yourself. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive and lifestyle coach, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy living, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and leadership, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your work and life to recapture your momentum and achieve your big dreams now. Hey, podcast listeners. If you've ever wondered if you're doing it right, and by it, I mean career and life, you will love my conversation this week. Quick reminder before we get there though, have you shared your thoughts yet about the podcast and my listener survey? Thank you so much to those of you who've taken five minutes out to fill that out. I really appreciate it. If you've not had a chance yet, please go to laradolch.com slash podcast survey or click on that link right from the episode notes in your podcast app. It'll take you straight to a Google form with mostly multiple choice questions, although I would appreciate your input on the non-multiple choice questions too. Thanks so much for doing that. It's a huge help to the show as we make plans for the next season. Successful people always knew what they wanted to do with their lives, right? That myth is at the heart of the question we all get asked as kids. What do you want to be when you grow up? We think we're supposed to have a clear answer and that there's something wrong with us when we don't or when our paths veer towards the unexpected. And we continue to buy into this myth as adults when people ask us other things like, do you want to get married or do you want to have kids? But how many people do you know whose career and life has followed a linear, entirely predictable path? 
As vice president of community and culture at Zillow Group, Rebecca Bastian saw how common and how harmful this myth was during countless chats with young women over the years. And she decided it was time to change the narrative. So she wrote a book called Blaze Your Own Trail, designed to help young women and gender non-binary people see that no matter the choices they make, someone has shared their path and their confusion, and that everything will be okay. Rebecca and I talked about Rebecca's own magnificent screw-ups along the path to success, how not to lose trust in yourself when you make a mistake, the misguided beliefs that sometimes blind us to opportunities, and why being true to yourself is the highest form of self-care and how to do it. If you're feeling stuck or confused about where you should be in career and life, Rebecca's wise words and insightful advice will get you back on track, your track. Enjoy. So yeah, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this, you know, because this is really very much the theme of this season of the podcast, the idea of blazing your own trail or following a a path less taken or however you want to frame it. You know, your work obviously fits very squarely into this. And I have to thank you because you were part of the reason that I was able to kind of this theme sort of gelled because I was struggling, as you know, we've talked about before, I was struggling with what the theme would be. And so I have to thank you for that little creative nudge. Well, happy to provide it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so tell tell me, you know, what was it for you about the idea of blazing your own trail that intrigued you enough to write a book about it? <laughs> well, you know, I think the idea was one that had been building in me for quite a while, which is I do this thing where I basically say yes to coffee with a lot of different people all the time that reach out. And through that have had a lot of conversations with young women who were trying to figure out where they're where they're going in their careers and their personal lives and how they're supposed to get there. And there's been this theme that's really emerged through those conversations, which is women thinking that there's this one right path that they're supposed to be on and one place they're supposed to be going and how they need to have that all figured out. And I always really want to share the message that I don't really believe that that's necessarily true and that it can be really limiting and keep you from a lot of really cool experiences and a lot of happiness when you're when you're too blindsided by that idea. And so that's that's been on my mind. The book itself was actually an idea that came to me in the middle of the night, the idea to use this um, choose your own adventure format, which is a series of books that I loved as a child. But using that to really explore the different decisions and pathways that a woman might make through her personal and professional life in order to kind of embrace the idea that there is no one right path and kind of celebrate throwing out the rule book and the fact that we'll be okay and we're strong enough to make it through so many different kinds of experiences and hurdles and we don't even know what's coming in on the other side. Yeah, totally. Why do you think we get stuck? Because I can so relate to that idea of like, you know, just there's this one this one path that I have to take and not being able to sort of see beyond that. Why do you think we as humans and as women, I guess, specifically can get stuck in that? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot that happens societally from a young age as humans of, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to get married? Do you, you know, like these questions that like, oh, there's supposed to be an answer to that. And, you know, the way that events get portrayed in media and then coupled with now, you know, the kind of social media epidemic of showing this kind of shiny picture perfect end result those things can all be really misleading and they all kind of allude to the idea that you're supposed to know where you're going. You're supposed to get there fairly flawlessly. 
And then when that's not really the case, you start to doubt yourself or, you know, you feel really isolated and alone in some of the more difficult experiences that that you might have to deal with in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. It's sort of like this, I should have the answer is is sort of what, you know, comes up, I think, you know, is like, and what, and then when I don't have the answer, yes, there's something wrong with me when in reality, it's what, it's what we all sort of do and kind of, you know, muddle through. I'm actually curious about, you know, your specific path, because you, you said in the book that you, you said, quote, I have the benefit of being a living example of crooked paths, magnificent screw ups and shocking successes, which I love, by the way. <laughs> What is your favorite magnificent screw up? And and then on the flip side, where did it lead you as we're talking about these crooked paths? Yeah, I mean, gosh, where to start? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, I have to choose just one magnificent <laughs> screw up? <laughs> exactly. But no, I think kind of a classic one was, you know, the first time I went to college right after high school, I failed out. I started dating a guy that I'd known in high school and I ended up moving up to Seattle with him because I didn't really have anything else to do or, you know, <laughs> not a lot of options. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Which, you know, both moving to Seattle ended up being, I, I still live here in Seattle and love it. So that was in 97. Um, so that just, you know, the community and the opportunities that I've managed to have the opportunity to to curate in the city have been fantastic. I actually think even, and this is one thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, the way that we judge an event can really change over time. So something that might feel really awful in the moment can end up being the best thing that happened to you, right? Mm -hmm. And I have lots of examples of that. But I think even something like failing out of college, like at the time, I, I really lost a lot of trust in myself and my ability to not completely screw up. But then when I ended up, you know, after working here for a while and going back to community college, I think I was so untrusting of my abilities that I just really worked my ass off and ended up in, you know, going into some engineering degrees from there because I was so worried about being able to do it at all, you know, and so in a yeah. way that kind of twisted my, you know, the kind of focus that I might have had had I kind of done a mediocre job from the beginning, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point about not like losing trust in yourself. Like when we, when we quote unquote mess up, you know, whatever that means to us. Yeah, over time, you, you know, you screw up enough times that you think, oh my gosh, how can I even trust my own judgment? How have you found, or do you have ways that you kind of get through that? Because we all get stuck in that sometimes anyway. How do you work through that kind of situation? you know, you just work hard. I think, I, I don't think it's, it's too bad to be a little bit nervous sometimes about, you know, doing well. I think that's okay. What you don't want to do is second guess yourself to the point of stifling your own creativity or productivity, which I think is, you know, that's the bigger risk when if you really lose enough trust in yourself or um, lose your confidence. But I think it's, you know, you keep trying and you celebrate the wins and you learn from the, the failures, right? And I think that sharing those is not you know, it's important because it's it's important to own our own stories. But I think a lot of the confidence that I have in my ability to recover and to make it through hard things isn't just from my own experience, but the experiences of close friends and other people that have confided in me about their own missteps as well. And I think the more that we share those stories with each other and really celebrate the bumps in our paths, then that really creates both the solidarity and the confidence that we need to know that we can keep pushing forward. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, because ultimately it comes down to getting to a place where you know that you are resilient enough to kind of deal with whatever happens, I think. At least that's been kind of my experience as well. Do you actually feel like you're on what you would consider a less traveled path? <laughs> well, you know, I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so many paths. So each one is, is both extremely unique and, and shared by so many other people, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of the way you think about it. So we're all having our unique experiences, but I, I don't think there's as many less traveled paths as we might be led to believe, right? Mm-hmm. I think what happens is that there's so many taboo subjects that when we're going through something, we might feel like we're the only one going through it because no one's talking about it. But there's so many different people, different women going through those same experiences. And that's, you know, back to the book, but that's why I really tried to weave a lot of data into Blazer on Trail because I, I want to be able to show through data and storytelling that there's not that many experiences that you're going through that other women haven't also gone through. And I think that that can be really empowering and comforting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually. And let's let's go back for a minute to the magnificent screw up thing. I want to talk more about that. Tell me more. <laughs> because because to your point, I mean, when we share all of that, that's exactly why it, you know, that's exactly why we're doing this, right? So So tell me about a couple of others that you look back on and think either, what was I thinking? Or wow, I'm really glad that screw up happened. Yeah, I think, you know, I I hesitate to categorize too many things as screw-ups, but I will say that most of the big decisions that I've made in life haven't been all that planned out. (laughs) Like what? Um, A little more haphazard. Well, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) when I, for example, when I was graduating from grad school down in Berkeley and I, you know, had just gotten an undergrad and graduate degree in mechanical engineering and ended up stumbling into an interview with Microsoft that was for a job I'd never even heard of through kind of a series of events for a program manager. And they offered me the job, which, you know, is interesting in and of itself since I didn't even really understand what the job was. But the whole reason that I took it was because I was madly in love with my boyfriend who was still in Seattle and I just wanted to get <laughs> back up to be with him, which is, you know, probably categorically not the reason you're supposed to take a job. He is my husband now. So, you know, Yay. In, in hindsight, say that worked out well. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I basically took a job that I had never heard of before in a space that I'd never worked in because of a boy, which also was the reason I had moved to Seattle, I guess, too. Well, and just quick aside, that is not, I don't think, an uncommon situation. In yeah, fact, yeah. In, in part, I can, I can, you know, trace my first job in New York City back to a similar yeah. <laughs> situation. Little known fact. Yeah. Anyway. And then even, you know, coming over to Zillow... I did that because I really hated the commute that I had. And so again, not very researched and not even my own fault that it wasn't that research. They were still, we were still in very stealth mode at the time. And so no one would actually tell me what they were really working on. (laughs) So I'm like, well, you know what? It's a better commute. I'm just going to give it a try. And so, you know, definitely neither of those were screw ups, but they were, they weren't the kind of things that I would have done if I had a really calculated end result that I was working towards, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, no. And that's a good point. Like, you know, just because something isn't 
I think what I'm what I'm hearing is often we call things screw up simply because they're not well thought through. But does that have to be right? It's like, why? Why does that have to be a screw up? Maybe it was just, you know, a gut decision, which can also lead to great things as you've as you've pointed yeah. out. Well, and the funny thing about storytelling is you can always kind of connect the dots when you're looking backwards, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. You know, I did this and this and this and it led to this next thing. And right. But looking forwards, like you can't really visualize what those dots are going to be or where they're going to lead. And so, um, you know, we, we definitely have the benefit of being able to create a narrative when, when recounting our experiences. Absolutely. Yes. It's much, it's much better to have that hindsight and be able to, but when you're in the middle of it, there's no way you can see it. Hey, it's Lara here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about something. It's a program I created for women just like you called Vibrant Health Playbook. If there's a gap between the you now and the you you dream about, you know, the confident, put together, vibrant version of you that you know is in there, but maybe you've lost touch with, then I might be able to help. Vibrant Health Playbook is an eight-week coaching experience for women who need to prioritize feeling good so they can get the more they want out of career and life. I help them overcome their personal obstacles to eating better, exercising more, and managing time and stress. Then we create a full personalized plan. I call it the Vibrant Health Playbook for working towards a big personal goal. And by the way, we do this without ridiculous diets, unsustainable exercise regimens, or unattainable in a perfect world, I'd meditate for an hour every morning kinds of plans. I kind of hate with that stuff. And truthfully, 95% of the quote wellness industry does to women. That's exactly why I created Vibrant Health Playbook. If that sounds like something you could use, visit lauradolch.com slash Vibrant Health Playbook to learn more and to read stories of other women who've completed the program. And if you decide to sign up in February, I'll give you $100 off the price just for telling me that you heard about it on the podcast. That URL again is lauradolch.com slash Vibrant Health Playbook. You can message me right from that page to tell me you're interested and that you heard about Vibrant Health Playbook on the podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. I thought it was interesting, something that was in the intro to your book, which was written by Sarah Lacey, who is the CEO of a company called Chairman Mom, which I just love. Um, yeah. But she talks about, you know, telling her younger self that, you know, it's it's going to work out fine, like wishing that she could tell her younger self that. What does working out fine mean to you personally? How do you know if something's worked out fine? <laughs> well, first of all, it's it's never really the end as long as we're still alive. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, at what point do you make the call? Like, are you actually going to hang that mission accomplished banner at some point? I kind of recommend mm-hmm. not doing that mm-hmm. because, <laughs> you know, yes, very good point. It's, it's, it's worked out, but you know, kind of like the chapters in the book, how each ending is called happily ever after for a different reason. And in a way, none of them are all that happily ever after, but then they all are because like, you as the character in the book have made it through the experiences leading up to that, you know, quote unquote ending. And, and you're okay, you're still going and you found peace or you found kind of a way to make it work. And I think that's really what it is, is 
You know, I think I sometimes come back to this idea that's something in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of like, imagine the worst case scenario, and then imagine like how you're going to be okay through that, you know, <laughs> I think it's mm-hmm. a pretty good exercise. It's something that is kind of the idea behind a lot of the thinking in, in my book is, you know, there's a lot of worst case scenarios, but also you kind of find an okay point there. And as long as, you know, as long as you're still alive, you're still going and you're, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs, but you're going to be okay. You're strong. Yeah. What do you think in your conversations with young women, you know, what kinds of expectations do you hear getting in the way of them embracing maybe a path that doesn't look quite like they expected? Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely the expectation that there's an end result that you're working towards. And I think when you're really laser focused on that, you can miss a lot of opportunities or kind of branches off of that path that might be really interesting or compelling that's kind of the more philosophical one. There's really like tangible misguided beliefs also of which I've possessed many. So like, for example, there's a belief that, that I used to hold that okay, I need to get wherever I'm going in my career before I have kids, because as soon as I have kids, I'm going to stagnate, right? Like that mm-hmm. is both, you know, not true or shouldn't be true and widely held. I talked to a lot of young women that think that, right? <laughs> or, um, you know, I need to you know, really separate out who I am outside of work and who I am at work because I won't be respected or embraced for who I fully am. And, you know, which isn't to say there are no places where that exists, but I think that we can definitely find ways to really kind of weave together our personal and professional lives in a really authentic way that enhances who we are and what we bring to, you know, both aspects of our lives. So I think that there's, those are things that you kind of, learn by doing. And I I wish for many people, especially I think women who really experience a lot of that pull between personal and professional life, that they learn that they can really embrace both and are able to make the most of that. Yeah. Can you talk about a time, if you can think of a time where you really just were kind of I'll call it sort of feeling at the bottom, like just really stuck and feeling kind of, you know, you know, hopeless because maybe you'd made a decision that led somewhere not great or just a time where you were able to sort of navigate through kind of a like dark-ish time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm trying to think, I've, I've had a lot of ups and downs through both personal and professional life. And sometimes those downs coincide, you know, mm-hmm. so sometimes I'll be, I've been at both a down in terms of, you know, feeling like I'm, I've been, you know, passed over for a role or like I'm stagnating in what I'm doing at work or like I'm just not being respected or appreciated and we really feel kind of at the bottom there coinciding with, you know, I've been married for quite a while and there's definitely ups and downs in any relationship and you can like hit a point where you're just not really connecting or, or communicating in the right way. And, you know, that's certainly young children will do that to a relationship, just time and mm-hmm. <laughs> all sorts of things. So I've, I've definitely been in places where I'm kind of feeling coinciding lows that can be really hard to navigate. And I've had a couple different points in my life where I've been dealing with anxiety, you know, when my first kid was was born, he was diagnosed with this skull issue that he had to have this major surgery for when he was nine months old. And I had this six month waiting period between diagnosis and surgery. And I started having really bad anxiety around that. And so, yeah, there's there's been times like that that are really difficult. I think that one thing I do kind of on the professional side, one thing I've done to navigate that that has worked out really well for me is 
putting a six month date, like a date on my calendar six months from today and saying that if I still feel the same way in six months, I'm going to make a big change. I'm not going to be reactionary right now. I like that. Yeah. I think it keeps you from like, that way you're not letting yourself be stuck in a situation that's not working for you, but you're also not being overly reactionary. And then kind of on the more on the personal side of things, I tend to be really transparent with people that I'm close to about what I'm experiencing and feeling and thinking. And I think that that's been really helpful for me to be able to share because I think that holding things inside is, is not a good recipe for me. (laughs) And so I think a combination of those things has helped during those periods. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No. And, and being able to sort of let people in in that way can be, yeah, can be a challenge, but it always, in my experience, pays off too. Yeah. yeah so. You know, in my view, I, I, I define, as my listeners know, I define self-care very broadly. To me, being true to yourself is, is really the highest form of self-care. What comes up for you when you think about that idea of self-care? What does it mean to you personally? You know what? I 100% agree with you as the top priority for self-care. And I'll tell you, the times that I have felt kind of mentally blocked where I'm having to really be calculated about who I am and what I express, you know, and how I come across, I just completely lose all creativity, all like ability to get things done, ability to really enjoy what I'm doing. I find that, and everyone's different this way, you know, (laughs) some people are able to compartmentalize more and kind of have different personas for different situations. But I agree with you. If I, if I'm not being completely myself and really true to my, my feelings and my ideas, then it just blocks everything else for me. So yeah, first and foremost, I think authenticity is self-care for me. Mm. And then, you know, in addition, I would say, friendship is self-care, like just spending time. I'm, I'm an extrovert, which means I can come off of a really long, exhausting day. And in order to unwind, I want to go like have a glass of wine with some girlfriends, <laughs> which I know for introverts is not <laughs> what they feel at the end of a long, exhausting day, but, <laughs> but that does it for me. Yeah, that's great. I also read somewhere that you are an aerial acrobat. I am. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely a, a creative outlet for me and, and a physical one. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Where does that fit into your, into your self-care kind of routine or, or I'm assuming you think of that in some respects as self-care? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exercise for sure. And it's fun and social. So I have an aerial partner that I largely work with these days for several years now, actually. And so she and I kind of coordinate our schedules to train together and, and work on new acts together. And that helps hold me accountable to doing it as well. But usually it's a before or after work or on the weekend kind of a thing. That's so fun. How did you stumble or not stumble? How did that happen? How did, you know, it's not, it doesn't, not something you hear all the time as an activity. Yeah. It's, you know, I actually just signed up to take a class about, gosh, almost 12 years ago now and just got completely hooked and started training all the time and then started performing and, you know, built up a really nice community of friends through it. And, um, it's been a a big part of my life ever since. I love that. I love that that's a creative outlet as well. I'm sure that's, I'm gonna have to come see you perform sometime. That sounds totally fascinating to me. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it, you know, aerial acrobats before, but I, yeah, like I'm obsessed with Cirque du Soleil, for example. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> obsessed. It's Very inspiring. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I'll, I'll send you an invite. Yes, please, <laughs> please do. Is there anything else that comes to mind when you think about self-care that maybe, you know, isn't sort of a typical answer to that question? Like, you know, like exercise and food, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. And sleep, right? <laughs> and sleep. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I think, you know, I think the authenticity one is probably, you know, not the most common answer, but to me, it's, it's probably the most important one. And it's just being really able to just to let it out. You know, I think that when, when we store and kind of shove under the rug or, you know, <laughs> my friend and I were talking about the other day, let, let the poop dry on top of the rug, but it's so dry, <laughs> it's still sitting there. Um, <laughs> I love it. But, like, that adds up and that's not, that's not good for our mental state. So I think, you know, finding ways to kind of share what we're feeling and that could be with, with friends or therapists or, you know, whoever is there or journaling or whatever way we can get it out. But I think it's just, that's so important. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Any other sort of final thoughts for listeners who might feel like they're in the middle of their own crooked path or or feeling out of control or confused? Yeah, well, I've actually been working on this project that's going to be launching at the same time as the book. So I think around the time that this episode will be coming out called owntrail.com. So kind of like blaze your own trail, but just the end part of that. And it's really kind of stemming off of the idea in the book, which is, you know, there's, there's multiple different paths and endings in the book, but those are just a finite subset of the infinite past that women really go through in their lives. So the idea with owntrail.com is that it's going to be a place for women and gender non-binary folks to share the, the paths that they have taken through life, to share their trails. And we really want to build up kind of a critical mass of trails on there so that we can start to answer some really meaningful questions around kind of providing the inspiration and guidance that women are looking for kind of behind, you know, you hear a lot of people say, I need a mentor. And we're really thinking about what, what are the needs behind that? And how can we provide those by really having visibility into the many, many paths that can lead to and from any given event in life or the many ways that, that a woman might take to a certain place in her life. And so we're really excited about that. I would love for any listeners who are women or gender non-binary to go onto own trail and share what their trail has been. It's really simple just by connecting several milestones in their lives and, and telling a little bit about those and then in turn get some inspiration from the other trails that are on there. And we're really excited to keep growing that platform and something that can be really meaningful. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. It's um, It sounds like a really cool project. Is there anywhere else besides owntrail.com that you'd like people to go to learn more about you and your work? Well, I have a column that I write on Forbes.com that people can follow as well if they search for my name. And I talk a lot about equity and belonging, and I'll be starting to explore more around women's life paths on there as well. And both myself, Rebecca Bastion, and Own Trail have presence on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. So definitely kind of connect with both Own Trail and me in those places. Great. That's great. I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. This is really fun. It was great to talk with you. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lauradolch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for women on the rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lauradolch.com slash podcast. 
If you'd like to support the work we do on the podcast, leave a rating or review wherever you listen, subscribe to the show, share episodes on social media or with your friends, and use the discount codes from our sponsors. It's all a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from the team at Lens Group Media. Lens Group Media.